0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm, joined today by Chris Grenham and Nicole Yang. We're going to talk a little bit about the Celtics game last night. We're recording this on Monday. They're a game last night against the Rockets. Obviously, they have another game this evening against the Hornets. We figured we'd touch on some bigger picture stuff after the first three games. So we each came to the table today with one big positive and one major negative that we're very concerned about with this team. Uh, we'll get this started with Granum. Uh Grenham, why don't you talk about uh, the, the first thing that makes you feel good about this uh, Celtics team?
1: Okay, the first thing, I'm glad we're starting off on a positive point here because this could have derailed the podcast if we go negative right away. I'm going to go with Grant Williams. I think that's an obvious positive. Last night against the Rockets was just further confirmation that... It seems like he's really taken a leap as a shooter, which he talked about a lot in the preseason. You don't really know if you should believe guys during the preseason because everyone's talking about, you know, I worked on my shot all offseason, whatever. We had 18 points last night. He was 5 of 7 from deep. He's 9 of 13 from 3 this season. I think now teams are just going to have to take him seriously as a perimeter threat, and all we talked about during the preseason, how this team is how this team doesn't have any shooting. Adding a guy like Grant Williams who I did not expect to be a legitimate shooter to this roster helps on a number of levels. Floor Spacing wise, it's a really big deal, and it makes life a hell of a lot easier for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So I just think the fact that you can have Grant out there as a player who opposing teams need to pay attention to on the perimeter right now, and as a, you know, versatile defender, which he always has been, especially now that he's a little bit lighter. I don't know. I think that's a major positive for this team going forward.
2: Yeah. If you look at the tape from last year, there are plenty of screenshots where opponents just leave Grant with oodles of room to just shoot and hoist it. And he would, and he would brick it and they would feel justified in their approach. So the fact that he can actually make the shot and the fact that he's taking shots I know it's only three games but he's averaging four attempts per game like that's awesome both from a confidence standpoint and then obviously for the team because like Grenham said the spacing the scoring all of that is going to be necessary for this offense to have any success so the fact that it's coming from a source that we didn't even think would be in the mix for that. Like, I feel like when it came to bolstering the offense, we always turned to Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Nismith, Romeo Langford, even like the fact that Grant has become this contributor through three games is like amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think when you see other teams sagging off you like that, it pisses you off, right? Like, it's just like, that's not a fun thing to see. Just like, like, it's very disrespectful. And it's like, obviously, the disrespect is earned if you can't make the shot. So I mean, huge credit to Grant for I mean, legitimately, Ime Udoka on Sunday said Grant asked him, you know, how can I get on the floor more during the offseason? And Ime's response was make 40% of your three pointers and play defense. And I thought, There was one quote from Ime that I thought was really interesting. He said about Grant, he's he's just a young guy. We don't look at him in the same mold as Romeo, Peyton, and Aaron, but he's a young guy as well and someone we wanted to see that growth from. And I wasn't sure what to make of that. Like, was he saying, like, Grant isn't kind of, like, they didn't see him as kind of a contributor like those other guys? Or is he saying, like, well, he's a different type of player? I almost took it as more of, like, they don't see him as, as much of a contributor but if Grant is going to be making these threes and playing defense the way he's playing it, I mean, it's it's going to be a lot easier to justify putting him on the floor, especially as the offense really struggles to space the floor in any meaningful way. So, like, if Grant makes 40% of his three-pointers this season, I think he's going to be, like, a real member of the rotation, and the Celtics, like, somebody else is going to get forced out.
1: Yeah, I mean, you think about, he also talked about how Grant kind of separated himself in that little position battle during training camp. This is a very easy way to separate yourself on this particular roster. If you can shoot at a 40% or above clip, that's a no-brainer for who gets minutes in the middle or the back end of that rotation. At this point, he is smack in the middle of the rotation. Like You have to have him out there because he does do a lot of things on both ends of the floor, which the Celtics don't have a ton of guys on this roster who do a lot of things on both ends. They have a lot of one or two-dimensional guys, whereas Grant does a lot of things well if his shot is working. And there were stretches last year where his shot was actually pretty good, but he just wasn't a consistent enough perimeter threat where he helps space the floor like he is right now. So it's a nice boost for their offense.
0: The, the one other thing that's kind of interesting about Grant is before he came into the draft, the thing that everybody talked about with him was his high basketball IQ. And I feel like we haven't got, I mean, he hasn't had a chance to show that, in the NBA, like he's, he's been trying to learn different positions every single year. So if he can finally kind of find that niche where it's like, okay, a versatile PJ Tucker ish type wing. And that's like where he can kind of land as like a 40% shooter who can defend. I mean, that's great for him. And I think that will start to open up other aspects of his game because he'll be able to kind of, instead of being like, oh, geez, I got to lose like, you know, 30 pounds in three months. It's like, no, I just like, I, now I can just perfect my craft. And I think for somebody like Grant, that could be really interesting because he is a pretty smart guy and in he was such a smart basketball player that will definitely be an interesting one to watch let's just go positive negative so we don't overwhelm one of the others so uh Grant, why don't you give us your uh, your negative as well?
1: My negative is going to be, through the first three games, Marcus Smart offensively. Marcus Smart has not been good. He has been good defensively, I will say, through the first couple games. And he had a good stretch at the end of, for part of the Knicks game, he had a good offensive stretch. But for the most part, through three games, as the Celtics point guard, he has not been good. That's a problem. If he's running this offense, you're going to need him to be a little bit more consistent. Like Grant Williams talked about last night, the importance of consistency and not having those high ups and low downs. Marcus Smart has been a player through his career that's gone up and down quite a bit. And he's already shown that a decent amount through the first couple of games. That's not what you really look for in a point guard. You'd rather have someone be that constant running your offense. And Smart hasn't been good on offense. And I think that's a real issue if he's going to go through stretches like this for this team, because you don't have a guy like Kemba Walker to lean on as your point guard where he can kind of be that reliable, consistent presence as your primary ball handler. So, again, it's very early. These are early negatives here, but through three games, he has not been good offensively.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it has anything to do with just the fact that he's been, like, a little bit... I don't know if off is the right word, but, like, the whole thing with the suspension, the whole thing with the contract extension, but him not sounding super excited and the negotiations sounding a little contentious, and that not being the first time negotiations have been, like, rocky for him. I wonder... I don't know. I I just wonder whether there's something else up with him. Obviously he made that three pointer to send it to overtime in the season opener, which seems like a happy moment, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think, Nicole, I would, I would agree with you that he has just kind of seemed a little off. Something just doesn't seem quite right with him. And, you know, obviously, these days, you just hope that everything's okay, right? Like, that you just hope that, like, you know, there's nothing going on at, you know, at home or something where, where he's, you know, got something else on his mind. I will say, in Smart's mild defense so far, uh, per cleaning the glass, he is easily the Celtics, obviously, incredibly small sample size. But, I mean, we're talking about a small sample size, right? So... Um, you know, in, in a very small sample size, he is actually the Celtics leader in uh, plus minus, like on off the court. The Celtics have been basically plus 26.4 in uh, efficiency when uh, with him. Now, to Grenham's point, however, with Smart on the floor, the her cleaning the glass, the, the offense has put up 102.2 points per 100 possessions, which is not good. Whereas the defense has given up uh, 99.1. So very, very good. Yeah, the offense hasn't been particularly strong. He hasn't looked super comfortable yet. It, it certainly could be just kind of a learning curve in the same way that I think it's a learning curve for a lot of guys on the Celtics team right now. Like everybody's, you know, trying to come together. Ime Yudoka's a new coach. Smart hasn't been a starting point guard since like Oklahoma State. Like it's been a while for a lot of these guys. So you want to give it some time, but certainly the early returns for Smart, you know, haven't been particularly good on the offensive end.
1: I do think it's important to note, kind of like you just said, how there's going to be a curve here. It's still very early on, and there were stretches early through these first couple of games where him and Schroeder are playing together, and you're watching. You're like, this is not going to work. Like this Especially can't
0: Richardson on the floor. Yeah, like,
1: this is not good. This this can't work. But it's against the Houston Rockets, who they're a very bad basketball team. But Smart and Schroeder looked a little bit more comfortable as that game went on together last night, and I think they'll continue to look a little bit better as time goes on. But There were some stretches with the two of those guys on the floor where it was quite ugly.
0: All right, Nicole, uh, why don't you give us your first positive?
2: I mean, I feel like we can't go through an episode of positives and not mention Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Obviously, Jalen Brown scored 46 in the opener, only scored nine in the second game, but that was sort of a clunker all around. I will say, like, it is interesting. Like, are you guys concerned at all about the fact that he missed the third game of the season with the patella knee tendinitis?
0: I would say that I'm not not concerned. You know, it, it is crazy that he came back from COVID and immediately played 46 minutes. In, like, high yeah. leverage, high intensity. You know, I mean, he he looked gassed at the end of that. That's a perfect way to like activate some of those like, you know, aches and pains that might have bothered you before. It's just to like completely overtax yourself. And then he played again. He looked really off. I would say I'm like cautiously optimistic that he's going to be fine. I don't think it's good that your, you know, star 25 year old needed a day off after two games. Like, it doesn't seem like a good thing, but I'm I'm not ready. I'm certainly not ready to panic about that one yet.
1: I don't, think it's, I don't think it's a good thing, but I do think that there's something to be said about him coming off of COVID, playing for 46 minutes, and then playing a game two days later, and then if you're a medical staff or a coaching staff and you're looking at a back-to-back, you're like, eh, it might not be the worst thing if he has a tiny bit of soreness that he could probably play through. Like, why push him against the Houston Rockets when you have Charlotte coming up tomorrow? I think it just makes a lot of sense. So circumstances, I think, lead me to think it makes sense for him to sit out. That being said, it is not great.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you guys. I think if I had to pinpoint a concern about Jalen though, it would be just the availability and the knee, especially since that seemed to be an issue at the end of last season as well. So definitely something to monitor any gripes with Jalen and Jason outside of, I think the health one are like pretty minor in the big picture. Like the Celtics are very lucky to have these two players as their core. And I think that they've both shown improvements year after year that they should be encouraged by. And like, when we have critiques of them, it's like minor in the grand scheme, basically.
0: I mean, I have one relatively major critique of Tatum again, which again is that he just like gets He's got to get to the free throw line. Like I, I know we keep saying it and the Celtics haven't been getting to the free throw line early. And it's like, well, well, this is how Tatum becomes a super, superstar. It's not like a major, major critique. And, and I thought it was very funny last night. Um, he and Yudoka had a moment when they were going to the bench. They just kind of laughed as, as they went to the bench. And Yudoka said... Uh, I would think I was telling him don't settle as like Tatum was going up for looked like he might go up for a shot. Instead, Tatum drove into the paint and had a really nice dump off to Horford. And then uh, Udoka said, and once he dropped it off, I said, let me stop telling you what to do out there. I never averaged 27 a game, so you make the right decision, and which was pretty funny. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, some of us on the outside who are like, get to the basket more. You got to get to the free throw line more, which I'm very guilty of. But I do think that getting to the free throw line more, even though I've never averaged 27 a game. I still think that Tatum should try to get to the free throw line a little bit more often.
2: No, I agree with you. And it's certainly not without trying. He's still out there begging for calls. That is true. That's a strong point.
0: He
2: (laughs) certainly, I think, would like to get to the line a little bit more as well. But it is only three games I'm sure that's on his mind but it might be hard to like implement that especially with all the other offensive struggles and things like that so give it a little bit more time but I agree that like halfway through the season if he's still only getting to the line I don't know like less than
1: four times a game game, Yeah.
2: yeah that's like an issue and like should be addressed but it's a little too early in the fact that he scored 31 points last night only getting to the line four times like that's pretty impressive
0: it goes to show how hard like how much of a skill foul drawing actually is right like James Harden, like Trey Young, those guys are incredible at it. It is an actual skill. And it's something like, you know, Tatum might have to learn too. Like it might not just be enough that he's like stronger now and that he's driving more. He also has to learn how to move his body to trick people into, into giving him fouls. And not for nothing, officials seem to be letting a lot more happen this year. Like they're just kind of letting guys play. And I mean, it and honestly, it makes for a much better product to watch. But like, I, I do think that all of those things come into play as well. And, and the fact that we've talked about quite often, which is that Tatum learns how to do things at like a lightning speed. So I I do think he is going to learn this season how to get to the line more. And as he does, these gripes will start to go away. Like Tatum's a superstar. He's going to be great.
1: I also think he's kind of still feeling out his role on this team. He knows he's the top scorer and he knows he's the guy, but he talked about the challenge of basically leading this team and finding ways to win, being a secondary playmaker and all that stuff last night. And he said he was embracing the challenge last night, but I think there's a lot To his game at the moment, that's kind of evolving at a lightning speed, which you can kind of see out there. He obviously, we know his real role. He's the best player on this team. He's the leading scorer on this team, but I think he's still kind of letting some of that stuff evolve. But yeah, you don't want him to have what one free throw attempt against the Raptors. That's not what you're looking for. All right, Nicole,
0: why don't you uh, hit us with your negative here?
2: So, I mean, again, it is only three games, but the fact that the Celtics did not look like they wanted to be on the court in their second game already is a bit of a red flag, especially given how the effort and the lack of enthusiasm really came to light last season, too they only scored 83 points against the Raptors. I mean, even against the Rockets, they took care of business. I don't want to get like too nitpicky, but like it was a little dicey there too at times. Like I just think in general, the effort shouldn't be even like a topic of conversation right now. It's three games into the season with a new head coach. You would think a new head coach that everyone has embraced. Like you would think that they would be trying a little bit more. Just we wouldn't be talking about these same issues. And that being said, obviously, it's a new team. They have to work out various chemistry things, lineups, things like that, get acclimated to one another. But I think just because of what we saw last year, it seems a little bit problematic.
1: It was pretty reminiscent of last season, honestly. And if you're a Celtics fan watching that game, you've probably felt tortured watching that game, but it was a lot of it was effort. Like, 21 to 10 offensive rebounds in transition. It was very apparent who was getting out first. It wasn't even really close. So I do think that's a concern, especially against a team like the Raptors who aren't the greatest team in the league. They're not particularly bad, but the Raptors aren't a great team. And so the fact that you can't get up for your home opener, that's another concern. It's not like there wasn't any juice. It's first home game of the season. There were certainly some red flags in that game that were concerning because you'd look for those changes coming off of last year and they're, I don't know it just it just popped up a lot in that first home opener.
2: 25 turnovers too, right? It's not great. And I think recently we've seen the Celtics sort of get up for big games and then play down to their opponents. And you just can't do that. Like if you're trying to be like an actual good team or a contender, which I don't think either of us think the Celtics will be a contender this year, but like still, if you're trying to like reset the culture and just have a successful season, like you need to be a little bit more consistent. You can't just get up when it's the bucks and the nets and then do whatever you want when it's the Raptors.
0: Well, because not for nothing, if you only get up for games against the good teams and you lo- start losing those games to the bad teams, what are your best case scenario? Going to go like 500 against the good teams? Because like, you're going to lose some of those games too. So if you're losing games to the bad teams, that's all. all of a sudden you end up in the play-in game.
2: But I, I do think the Celtics next four games will provide a better indication of this particular issue. They play the Hornets, the Wizards twice, and then the Bulls, who are all beatable opponents. But if you don't try, you're going to get beat as well. So I think
0: these teams might hurt you if you don't try.
2: But so I think these four games will be like a good litmus test in terms of like, okay, are like they actually trying here or is this like going to become a pattern? Because tonight, like we said, is the second night of a back to back. You have like a home and away with the Wizards and then host the Bulls. Like I think these will be a good indication of like, should we actually be concerned about the effort or was it just like sort of a fluke to start the year?
0: Definitely. Yeah. If, if they come out and beat the Hornets or if they like play extremely hard and the Hornets are just good, like that seems plausible. <laughs> like if, if one of those two things happens, I think you can start to be like, okay, Steam will probably get it together to an extent. And if they get punked, as you may put it, good luck. All right, so we'll get into my positives and negatives in a minute here, but Grenham, can you uh, shout out our, our pals over at Shades On first?
1: Yeah, I want to shout out our friends at the Shades On Beer Company. They're the makers of the Geno Time Stout, plenty of other great products, not just the Geno Time Stout, but we're biased toward that. If you're in the Boston area, keep an eye out for Geno Time and all Shades On Beer Company products. And if you're a Celtics fan down in Rhode Island, check out their beer garden and tasting room in West Kingston, but anywhere in New England, keep an eye out for Shades On Beer Company. company products, specifically the Geno Time Stout, we highly recommend everything with that shades on beer company label.
0: So my first positive here, I think unequivocally Rob Williams has been very much a positive so far this season. Not only has he produced, he also has stayed on the court. Uh, he stayed out of foul trouble he's played big minutes he was really good in the game where where Horford didn't play he played I I believe like 45 minutes in that game the passing on point I mean he had a a relatively quiet game on Sunday against the Rockets but he had I think easily the pass of the season where he threaded the needle so I believe it was Schroeder um, going for a layup just a gorgeous pass and and really indicative of of how he sees the game and I think defensively he's he's sort of staying in front of guys but his timing is really good like he's he's still kind of letting guys get by him and then swatting their shot but he's better at it if that makes makes sense so Rob's defense has been a a major positive his his offense looks pretty good and I think just the the translation of you know a guy who plays like 15 to 20 minutes a game because you don't know if he's going to be healthy to 40 minutes or you know 35 minutes or whatever that has been really positive like if this keeps up he's like that that four-year contract is going to look incredibly friendly
1: like defensively their front court has looked great especially with Horford playing even in a bad game against the Raptors like Horford looked really good his defensive activity has been great I think Udoka tweaking with the switching system has been pretty good. They don't switch as much with the bigs right now, and so that's allowed Rob Williams kind of sit back a little bit, and he is good as that kind of back wall, and it's helped shore up the Celtics' interior defense, which I think Rob Williams is just better in that scenario so they did that a little bit against Houston last night and I think that was pretty effective and you're right he seems to be a little bit better than he was earlier in his career at letting guys get past him and making up for it I think part of that has to do with his body control and part of it has to do with his discipline which gets better every year it seems like so yeah I mean Al Horford and Rob Williams have been fantastic defensively and offensively too but they've been major bright spots for this team
0: pretty interesting he averaged uh, just over three blocks per 36 minutes playing 18.9 minutes last year and he's averaging three blocks per game when he plays 33 minutes this season. So it very much has just uh, kept its level.
2: Patriots cornerback Jonathan Jones is undergoing shoulder surgery and is probably out hey. for the season, so I will be muting myself for probably the next five to ten
1: minutes. Okay. We, I just saw that. Good thing they have Stefan Gilmore. Oh. <laughs> right.
0: All right. So uh, as we continue without Nicole, who is doing her job, the negative that I'll, that I'll highlight here is every concern that Grenham had about the Celtics' offense is very legitimate. I mean, I think we all agreed on that at the time, before the season started, I think we all agreed that that was definitely going to be something to keep an eye on. But it really has surfaced in big ways. I think there's floor spacing on this team could be really bad. It's not that Josh Richardson can't shoot. It's not that Marcus Smart can't shoot. It kind of is that Dennis Schroeder can't shoot. Like, that dude can't shoot threes at all. Yeah. But, like, the other two, it's just opposing teams are going to freak out about other things before they freak out about those guys. And you, what you really want for floor spacing is somebody who you're really going to have to close out to hard. And neither of those guys draws those kind of hard closeouts for you know for better or worse. And like Aaron Niesmith is is O for the season so far. He hasn't made a three yet. And, and Peyton Pritchard hasn't like really done anything meaningful to kind of create any floor spacing. The only guy who's done it so far is Grant Williams. And you know, Schroeder presents this really interesting problem because he can't shoot. But they really do need his offense. Like, so you you kind of have to have Schroeder on the floor a fair amount, but you also have to surround him with shooters. And the Celtics just don't have that many shooters. I don't know. It's this whole compounding interest of an issue that just kind of keeps building on itself. And, and I'm I think that a a fully healthy Celtics team can probably put together some decent offense, but like that's just me thinking at this point. Like I don't have any evidence for it yet.
1: Yeah, it's not a great sign that you're heavily, suddenly, heavily relying on Grant Williams to be a very consistent three point shooter, someone who's going to give you that all the time. And it's great if he can do that. That's a major bright spot, but the spacing is really bad early on. And even in last night's win against Houston, the offense still was not very good down the stretch. It was fine. And they got up, they got more comfortable and they started working in some different sets and they, they looked better. And I think that's going to come And It's still early on. This is a relatively new group. So I think it is going to improve, but like first quarter of that Houston game, it was really bad. There was just no flow. There's no rhythm. And I think with the lack of spacing and with the lack of perimeter threats on this team, it's prevented the Celtics from getting any easy looks. They have a really tough time getting good looks in say the Knicks game, when they did get good looks for their stars, one of them hit and one of them hit nothing. You know, if you're in a game like that, where you finally are getting some good looks for Jason Tatum and he's not hitting, you're screwed because you don't really have a lot of other shooting options at this point. It has not been pretty. It's been really choppy. There's not a whole lot of rhythm. Dennis Schroeder shot far uglier than I thought. It's not aesthetically pleasing, and it is not effective. There's nothing really good about it. So there's a real spacing issue on this team, and I think it kind of prevents them from, at this point, finding any really easy looks. They'll get better in transition. They'll get better in the half court. They'll get more comfortable, but it has not been a good start by any means.
0: The, the double big lineup, I have my real concerns about it, especially on this team. Like, I'm sorry, Rob and Al. Like, Al is not a good enough. Like, people will respect him, but I don't think they respect him quite enough to make that double big lineup work. It's, it's interesting, real interesting that Grant Williams is making so many threes. Pretty interesting that Romeo is making threes. Like, you know, you start to wonder, can one of these guys start at the four or, you know, have, or if Romeo starts, have Tatum slide up to the four, put Rob Williams in there and then have Al Horford come off the bench and really shore up the, the bench units. I think there's a lot of maybe utility in trying something like that. I know, you know, Ime doesn't really want to have like a contingent starting lineup. He mentioned that in the preseason, but I, I think if he's going to start to mess with things, I do wonder if just kind of having Horford to shore up that second unit, but then also getting a little bit more floor spacing in that first unit, you know, if that might not be a good way to go about things.
1: Yeah, I think it would make a lot of sense. Look at a guy like Josh Richardson. He was four for four from three against the Raptors, but I think he was like one for five. Yeah, he's one for five from three last night. I think somewhere in the middle, maybe closer to the one for five range is more realistic for Josh Richardson. So a guy like Romeo Langford is hitting pretty consistently. Guy Grant Williams is hitting pretty consistently. You look at down the road, maybe a guy like Richardson's minutes getting peeled back just a tiny bit just to make room for those other guys because you're going to have to. I agree with the double big issue because Al Horford is a fine three-point shooter. He's not someone who perpetually is dragging defenders out to the perimeter. That's just not what he does at this point in his career.
0: The Celtics need somebody else on the floor who can break the defense with their three-point shooting. And I think that's what you hope for when you see Aaron Neesmith shot 52% from three and is like, you know, final college season. That's what you hope for. When Peyton Pritchard is shooting from like 30 feet in, in the, you know, summer league and preseason, that's what you're hoping for from those guys is to have that, okay, if we have to guard this guy out here, what are we going to do about the Jays? Or what are we going to do about, you know, the the Rob Williams pick and roll? And it's like the Celtics just do not have that right now. Right now, they just kind of have several really good players and and some good role players who can fill in, but not guys who kind of all together make up a cohesive whole and that's something that can come over the course of a season certainly like it's that's and I think that's why none of us are like panicking even as the Celtics start 1 and 2 and even though they look like trash against the Raptors.
1: Yeah, and Al Horford has been good offensively. He's been good on both yeah. sides. So you're right, there's no panic here. But the idea of him as a pick and pop big is much better in theory than it is in practice. And that's just, that's just the way it is. And he's, you're right. He's not going to break an opposing team's defense, but you need someone to be that threat because this team is not, we've already seen it. This team is not going to function at a high level offensively without some additional floor spacing than what they've had in their first three games. It's just, just the way the league right now, you just can't do it. So it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of tweak with these lineups. That's part of the first quarter of an NBA season. There's a lot of tweaking that goes on with rotations, with starting lineups, with secondary units, whatever. And I think Imi Adoka is going to have to do a lot of that because they have looked pretty stagnant for stretches here. And I think a lot of that goes back to the floor spacing. I think a lot of that goes back to the lack of good looks that they've gotten. And oftentimes through these first couple of games, they've gotten the good looks and or when they've gotten the good looks, I should say they just haven't hit them. And obviously those shots will fall eventually, but there has been more times when they can't get the good looks than when they have gotten them. And that's, that's a problem.
0: All right, guys, I think we can leave it there. Uh, Nicole is still plowing away on the Patriots.
2: Well, one minor positive that I wanted to note was that that video of Imei in the locker room in the Rockets visiting locker room of him getting doused with water and like the team celebrating that's like the first time we've seen anything like that because brad stevens had a rule where the cameras were just not allowed in the locker room until it was time for like interviews and stuff so hopefully we will get to see more glimpses of the behind the scenes and yeah i enjoyed watching the video i thought it was fun to see the team celebrate
1: i think last year the three of us on a podcast actually said like, when was the last time you saw Brad Stevens get water dumped on him? I think we pointed this out. So that's a great sign. Three games in, we have already seen Ime Odoka get water dumped on him. So that's a nice development.
0: Two hilarious things about that video. Number one, the Celtics tweeted it out from their main account, and you could absolutely hear Ime be like, you guys fucked up the ball, which was hilarious um, because they dumped water all over it. I don't think the social media person heard that, but uh, very funny on that score. And then number two was Jabari Parker. (laughs) Like he looked, he didn't look unhappy as Ime was getting doused. He was like smiling and stuff but just truly, completely stationary on his chair. Did not move at all. (laughs) He didn't move a muscle. (laughs) Everybody else is jumping
2: and clapping and screaming and throwing things at Ime. Literally just sat in his chair with a smile. Didn't even move his hands to clap.
0: (laughs) Gretel dropped it in the group chat like, look at Jabari Parker going crazy.
1: (laughs) Like I did but, not flinch.
0: So that was great. I agree. I'm, I'm excited about the Ime Yudoka era. Not, not only for that, but also, I mean, it, you know, I think it is noteworthy that like, when was the last time you saw the Celtics be that happy for Brad Stevens? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I think Brad was a good coach, uh, but I think that, I think everybody was ready for that situation to move on for whatever reason. So um, these Brad included,
1: seemed, I think he was just ready to 100%, change it up.
0: A hundred percent. So shout out to uh, shout out to Ime Yudoka for his first win we will leave it there. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you to anybody who's left us a rating or a review. We really do appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments or concerns, you know where to find us and we will talk to you all again later this week.